From the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast, and I'm Perry. And I'm MJ. And this is Mark. And we are here today for another episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Yippee skippy. <laughs> Yippee skippy. So, um, Dippy. in the news today, Hippie. Michelle has been burned. Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Burned. In, in the eye holes. In the eye holes. <laughs> oh, yes. I said eye holes. Eye holes. That's... <laughs> What it's was really up with embarrassing. That? I look, I look like I'm like 90 years old. About a week and a half ago, I went to the mall, and I was accosted by one of those people in the the center kiosks. <laughs> accosted. They're like, "Oh, come over here, you know. Like, you gotta try this lotion. You gotta try this, you know." Well, apparently, my wrinkles were screaming at him from across <laughs> the hall. He decided he wanted to fix them. So he put this lotion, which I will fully admit completely removed my wrinkles. Oh, it worked. Oh, it worked. Huh. Fantastic. And well, yeah, it com- burned I mean, the skin off. It completely <laughs> removed my wrinkles. You know, you look in one eye and you got one eye that's done and the other eye that didn't. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. And it's only $399. But you only use a drop a day and it lasted for two years. And I just don't have that kind of cash to drop on that wrinkle cream that five minutes earlier I didn't think I knew that it's I needed. needed. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh. Um, by the way... I haven't been to the mall in a really long time, and I recognize how self-conscious that makes me feel. But nonetheless. So um, then he insisted before letting me go after I told him no a thousand times. But, oh, well, we don't want to let you get um, lopsided. Good. That was a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I put the lotion on my other eye. However, two days ago, it was super, super beautiful outside. I have a convertible. I'm driving around. Burnt the shit out of my eyes. <laughs> My eyebrows, my eyelids, like under my, like everywhere he put that lotion, whatever the fuck it was, it burned the crap out of my eyes. And when it you, really hurts. When you put it on, did it like stretch your skin to eliminate the wrinkles? Is yes. that what it did? Yeah. 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 Like a drying agent kind of a yeah. thing. Yes. And That's not really getting rid of the wrinkles in my opinion. No, it just, <clears throat> They're yeah. still there. You're just treating them, yeah. I guess. Um, but again, the weird, who would have thought that a week and a half ago, something someone would put something in my eyes that would just, so not only do they look really, really bad, like I'm really self-conscious about it, but they also feel like sandpaper. <laughs> I think we should oh. take a we should take a picture, a really close oh, up picture yeah. of her eyes, yeah. just her eyes, okay, and put them on the website. I post it. Put, yeah. We'll put it on the Facebook page today. Yeah, we're, that'll we're not be really fun. Do that. Yeah, but when you walked in the door, we both said, "Cool hair." Yeah, right. Exa- yeah, so, exactly. Uh, you, know, you didn't notice my eyes. Didn't notice my eyes because the hair was cool. But yeah. Thank you. Now, oh my god, <laughs> I have my millennial T-shirt on today. I got dressed. I got, I got dressed today. <laughs> Shout out to our millennials. Nice. Either that, it's either that or it's a joke about how I work from home, and I don't get dressed for days if I don't if I don't want to or don't have to. Interesting. I thought about wearing it to work, but then I thought that some people Ooh. there would be kind of pissed off. Yeah, that might be a little too pokey. Because it's yeah, it's already <laughs> pokey. People are like, "I wish I could do what you do," and I'm like, um, "Okay." I how don't know often tell people? How often are you in the, in the office? Normally, I go in about um, an hour to two hours a week. 
Okay. Um, this week, um, however, I know, <laughs> I know. This the week, however, <laughs> yeah, I know it is. Yeah. Um, no, this week I'm in. However, I think four hours because next week I'm leaving on a two week road trip. Right. So You're going talk to, to Joshua Tree, California. So I'm taking hippie the the heiress the hippie teardrop and um oh by the way I have an update on my axle I was just gonna ask lay yeah. it on me so I took it shout out super great guy shout out to a guy the trailer guy mm-hmm. um his name is Matt um he is Keep in Yamhill he's in Yamhill Oregon mm-hmm. I took it, the axle to be inspected because I want to make sure if I'm going that far that we're good um, as it turns out the axle was not flipped the axle was bent. Oh, so, oh, interesting. And he thinks the axle was bent because it was probably overweight. Well, I'm not going there. I- <laughs> exactly. No, you can. Um, well, you were the one who said you as- underestimated the width of your ass. Yes, that's true. So now I underestimate the weight of my ass, apparently, because yeah. I bent the axle on my hippie teardrop. So, no, it's good, though. We did replace a U-bolt. One of the sides was actually ready to, like... <laughs> Fall off because the nut on the U-bolt holding the axle to the trailer had come off and blah, blah, blah. So, yes, of course, um, I always love to make sure, you know, we all stuck the car in yesterday and got to get new, you know. So, um, got to make sure your nuts stay on. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to lose your nuts. No, you don't. Exactly. So, um, Speaking of losing your nuts, no. <laughs> it's interesting because <laughs> the, 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 as I remember the axle on your teardrop, it's just a rod. Isn't it? Correct. Yeah, it's just a rod. Yeah. And he says, I've never seen a bend that was that, like, perfect. Oh, got it. Yeah, it looks like it the was arm, meant to it, be. It looks like it was flipped because yeah. the camber is exactly yeah. going in the wrong direction. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I've, back to the office question. I talked to my boss. I said, look, I'm going to be on the road. So I'm still going to work. Yeah, I'm going to email and all that stuff. Just However, to get back on the road again. Well, I'll put in my two hours. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going to sign into the database because that's what I have to go to the office to do is sign in the database, which is only accessible from the office. Uh, So I said, we have two choices. I can either skip the database work for the next week and a half, or I can take vacation time because right now I have like a month of vacation time, like in my kitty. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're good. Just, just answer your emails. We're good. Save the database work when you get back. So. You got such a nice job. I do. It's pretty <laughs> cushy. It is. It is so cushy. Like yeah. I said, right now I don't even feel like I, like I go in the office and I like I'm here. I was like, oh, thank you for blessing us with your, <laughs> you know, presence today. Dad, I'm here at 7 a.m. doing dishes. Yeah, <laughs> you right. sure were. Right. Speaking of dishes, um, wow. Okay, I know. I'm waiting too. Yeah, I know. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking dishes. of dishes, we'd like to dish like, something. You know. gonna, I was just going <laughs> to say that we're going to dish on some tiny house information <laughs> with Jeremy Weaver. Our is he our first return guest? Nope, he's not. Oh, what was that? Wow, that was a nice little wind thing that going was. on. That was a brand deal, man. You got to pay us for that, Jeremy. Uh-huh. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <sighs> was something moving? Can you got what, what was that? It sounded. Like, it did sound like wind. So there's uh, I'm I'm sitting in a car, so maybe that's what you're hearing. It sounded like a truck going, big giant truck going by. Yeah, it could have been a giant truck going by. So I'm I'm actually sitting in my office, which is my vehicle. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, so for the listeners, Jeremy Jeremy Weaver is with Wind River Tiny Homes. Yes. And uh, one of the most spectacular 
tiny house builders, if I must say so myself. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, the, he's the, up there. Oh my gosh, their units <laughs> are fan freaking tastic. Yeah. And so you're uh, you're making me blush. Oh, good. That's our goal. <laughs> Show over. <laughs> exactly. So um, the last. So to be honest with you, Jeremy. We yeah. can't remember the conversation they, we had with in okay. depth. Mark and I can't remember the conversation. <laughs> well, I remember we had some. Perry, he's dealing with. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and so um, we may ask questions that we've asked before, just to let you know. That is that is no that is no problem at all. I, I think in general it was kind of <clears throat> how did you get into tiny homes was so, sort of the theme of the conversation. So and instead, we'll say, "What the hell have you been up to since exactly. we talked to you last?" Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I think I want to say the last time you talked to me had to be more than a year ago, um, and I don't think I had met Michelle in, or, or either you two. And I still haven't met you two in person, but I, I've since met Michelle in person at the Tiny House Jamboree, um, which multiple? was which was great. It was yeah. great to put a a um, a physical meeting to a you know to a uh, what had since been just kind of Skyping on on this podcast and then I think we I think we kind of ghost each other's Instagram profiles and stuff like that as, a little bit as well so yeah, pretty fun um, but yeah no it's uh, since since then um, essentially just been building more tiny houses um, where one of the things we're doing that my company that's exciting right now that's happening is we're actually transitioning shops so we've been sort of in this temporary uh, shop space, you know, since we founded the company, which is on my property, uh, we're kind of working out of a barn there. And uh, we're, we're just finished construction and we're probably moving the next week or two into a, uh, a larger facility that we can actually build inside. So that's something we're super excited about right now um, in my neck of the woods. So, so business is good. Um, just to recap for the listeners, what we also talked about. So Jeremy, when we recorded this episode, when we recorded your first interview, you had just come, you were just done with the TV show. And yes. um, you were talking about, I um, believe, um, Mark had mentioned how niche it was, kind of tall man, tiny houses, or um, where's that at right now? Yeah, so I, so I have a website, Tall Man Tiny House, I have a blog, it's up there. And I've been, I, I was fairly good right at the beginning, you know, as these things, I think, happen often. Um, I put five or six posts out um, in fairly rapid succession, and um, I think since then I haven't. <laughs> I don't think I've. I, there's six or there's six or seven posts on there, um, uh, but I, I will say I've gotten I've gotten the good feedback on the on the two or three. Um, I, I've written two or three on sort of uh, I, I'd call them. Um, uh, they, they get into the weeds, the posts. They're they're long form, and they definitely get into the weeds on the subjects that they cover. Um, and I think that there's certain um, there's certain people that are looking for information um, that they they can only find partially in you know most sort of most sort of uh, normal normal or short length blog posts um, in regards to tiny houses or. Um, anyways, in particular, one of the posts I wrote was on, you know, why do why do tiny homes cost so much, and a custom tiny homes in particular. And I I, I broke down in great detail on, on that post. Um, ex- like I, I do all the quotes for my company, so I, I broke down in that post in great detail. Um, you know exactly what goes into you know as far even down to like how many hours of labor and what the typical going rate for labor is and 
uh, you know, material costs versus labor costs and including, you know, and then markup, you got to think about markup of profits. Anyways, it's, it's a really good, it's, I've pointed a lot of people to it since then, because that's a question that I think a lot of custom builders get is why are you so expensive? And you know, there's, it's because a lot of labor goes into what we do. So so I wanted to let you know that I have probably referred at least a dozen, maybe even 20 people to that particular uh, blog. Wow. Um, because when I'm at the various events and we're touring the various houses, and invariably um, there's always a guy, six foot four, six foot five, the woman is all, oh, this would be so fun. He's like, I'm never going to fit. <laughs> um, so I've, I've referred a few people to your blog over over the past couple of years. So, so uh, Perfect. Yeah, Th- that was a hint. Good. She's looking for a referral fee, but anyway. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jeremy, um, how many how many tiny homes have you guys built now? Um, I we're just we're just under thirty. Um, I don't know. I think the official tally is I don't know twenty seven or twenty eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, tiny homes by this point. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so we we've been doing the first year. I think we did about six, and since then we've been doing between eight and ten a year. Um, and the ceiling that we kind of hit, um, because of our workspace limitations has seems to be about 10 a year. We're hoping this year that that's going to, that number is going to be more like 12 to 15 because, um, we'll be shortly in this new workspace. Um, so that, that will allow us to hire more guys because we'll have more, you know, physical space to, and, and we'll be able to set up, you know, a couple table saws versus just having, you know, and, and workstations versus just being able to sort of have one workstation really um, that, that guys can work at. So, so uh, that's, that's kind of, that's been our limitation up to this point. And we're hoping that we're, um, you know, we're, 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 we're not going to become a high volume builder really ever. Um, but um, that's not what we're, what our aim is, but we'd like to be able to build at least 15 to 20 a year. And so we're hoping this new shop lets us do that. What would you, have you had, now this is a question that, some people would not answer on a show like this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Would you, do you have any, have you had any problems with your builds like what we've heard with some of the other tiny house builders? Um, what, you're talking about um, like the physical structures themselves or like financing or like what? Physical what Physical structures, or, physical structure, build, build quality um, basically. You mean you mean homes that have gone out and feedback we've gotten from customers, that kind of thing? Yeah, homes that have gone out and then have had to come back and be redone or repaired or something like that. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> no, I'm I'm fine answering that because um, yeah, I think I think it's probably you know it's good information for people that are thinking about getting a home built. And I think so too. In general, we you know if if well I should say across the board, if a problem is our fault, like and it's definitely something that we did wrong. Um, you know, we, our policy is basically that we'll fix it, you know? Um, and I've, I have flown out and fixed things, um, that, that we just did wrong. Um, what, one of those things was, um, uh, this was, I think this actually happened before the first time that, um, that I talked to you. Um, it was, we had sent it out and, and some, uh, some, the, basically the solar system, you know, some cables had gotten disconnected um, in the process of, of moving, uh, from the battery to the solar system, the, this onboard, we had, it was the first off grid build we did. Mm-hmm. And, um, when the client had gone to c- reconnect the cables, he actually had cross wired them on the battery. Oh. 
um, and it had, it had fried a component of the solar system. And I didn't know all this, obviously, at the time. Um, and th- the way, th- the reason that this cables got disconnected in the first place was our fault, you know. So, so I essentially, it was Austin, Texas. I flew to Austin and, and uh, you know, uh, rented a car and drove, you know. I, it was like literally minutes after the house had arrived, I got there because I'd flown and, uh, and you know, fix, fixed it. Um, spent you know a day and a half working on the problem and, and got it fixed for him. Um, so, 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 so I'd say the majority of our problems have been, um, you know, something either got some there was a problem with in transit, something got wiggled loose or something broke. You know, so we so we either fixed it or we reimbursed the client from you know for that. Um, and there has been one other one other I think I'd say category of problems um, that we've run into. And this is actually something I just want to get out there as general information for people. That's that's a, just a general problem with tiny houses in, in general. Um, so we we had a uh, there's been several times where we've had problems related to materials, um, natural materials doing what natural materials do when they get in a different climate. Mm-hmm. So um, you know we've sent a house to a really dry climate from from Tennessee. Um, and it was, a, and in both cases, in both cases, we've had this problem. It's been a situation where, where the, the person has either decided not to have climate control in their house. So we normally do mini splits that, that, you know, keep the humidity at a certain level and they, you know, heat or cool the house, heat and cool the house. Um, or, and then that was one of the cases. And then the other case was, um, the person just hadn't, has chosen not to run the, you know, the mini split. So there had been no dehumidification or, or heating or cooling in the house happening. So, you know, it was basically both times it was some version of, you know, things shrinking and gaps forming, you know, in, in different custom built pieces that we had done or things swelling and buckling. And, and that's, that's kind of a, that's, that's something that it's, it's, if a house goes from, you know, for instance, like we're in Tennessee, if a house gets built in Tennessee in the high humid part of the summer and then goes to somewhere in the, in the desert and you don't, run the climate control system, um, then their changes are going to occur. And likewise, if you go from a place of lower humidity to a place of higher humidity, like right near a coast, um, then changes are going to occur if you don't climate control the space. And that would happen with any house. Like if you transported a really high-end custom house that was built, you know, in the desert and you transported it to somewhere on the coast, um, and like, you know, near, near, near the ocean, um, and you didn't climb control it, you would have all sorts of warping, splitting, buckling, cracking, popping. Um, and so you can't, that's, that's a, it's a hard, it's a hard situation because it's, it's, it's sort of just, it's what happens to natural materials when they, um, when they change environments and the climate control isn't in place, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and it's fascinating to me because and we've I, never talked about. It before, I know I, I did. I would not imagine that that kind of thing would happen, and that, and I wouldn't imagine that the climate control would be something that could prevent that from happening. Yeah, I, I've never heard of this before, so it's it's nice to hear this. You know, this level of detail. Mm-hmm. I can tell you from per- firsthand experience that I have <clears> actual <throat> during the winter time when I'm heating. It's you know obviously colder and wetter outside. I'm heating the inside more. Mm-hmm. Um, I get my quote unquote cracks open up, so I have yep. some uh, caulked cracks or some Ooh. caulking. Like, for instance, at the ceiling level, I have caulking in the kitchen, uh-huh. around the walls. And and so in the wintertime, those caulk actually will, like, 
look like little cracks, and then in the summertime they just close back up. Really? Yeah. Yep. And that's yep. the same house built, never moved outside yeah. of the climate that it was built in. Huh. So I yeah. recognize right. that even even in my space, which doesn't go anywhere and, and was built in the same uh, conditions climate, that it was. Yeah. So I've noticed yeah. those changes. The opening and closing of the various cracks, mm. depending on the the temperature and humidity mm. outside. And and that'll have. I mean that that happens with any house. So if you've got you know an older house with hardwood floors, yeah. Um, and 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 you pay attention to that kind of stuff. That that happens. You know, like you said, with any house in with seasonal variation. But then you can imagine going from a place that you know of say the averages say thirty or forty percent humidity to going to a place that's either got zero humidity or like. 90 or 100 percent humidity all year round and then you don't climate control that you can imagine the changes that would occur you know at that point well it's interesting because i don't think we have we could imagine it until you just mentioned mm-hmm. it yeah, which is interesting I, and yeah. I guess i didn't realize that the mini splits um had that much neither did i hum- uh, that they control humidity mm-hmm. and they had yeah. that much sophistication now yeah. it's the most right. expensive way mm-hmm. um to heat and cool your house i have never had the um opportunity to Use one budget-wise until my new the new build oh. that I'm doing right now. Uh-huh. We're putting a mini split in that one. So thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> for the education. I'll check that off the must-do list. And actually, most most window units. So if you're if you even if you're just using a window unit or something like that, um, most most of those dehumidify that space as well. So pretty much most ACs um, these days, if if you've gotten one that's been built in the last ten years. It's got some, whether it's a mini split or some sort of a through-the-wall situation or a window unit, they're all going to have dehumidification function on them. Um, so if you just have it set to auto, it'll automatically once per, you know, a few times per day or a few times per hour or whatever, it cycles over to the dry cycle. And huh. um, so, so yeah, and there's actually a tube running from the indoor unit down through the wall and, and we run them just right outside, right through the bottom of the trailer. And if if you so I mean think like if you've been in your car on a hot day and you've had the AC running, you get yeah. out and you see the water dripping down, you know? Yeah. I've seen that. Um yeah, like like um so so it's a similar kind of thing that happens with, with these. Um the the condensation that, that happens in the unit is then directed out and down at the bottom of your house. So on a hot day you were running your AC in your tiny house, you go look at that tube and there'd just be a constant stream of water coming out of it. Mm-hmm. So the the uh so the person who had the unit taken out to a dry climate, what were they, I guess if it's a thinking? dry climate, yeah, well, not what they were thinking, <laughs> right. but what were they using to control the climate inside if they didn't have a mini Well, they, they, they weren't actually, it was, it was a, it was a dry climate. It was, um, I don't know exactly where in sort of central California it was, but I believe it was somewhere just, um, inland from San Francisco. So it was a fairly dry climate, um, but it was fairly temperate, meaning they didn't, have a huge need to. I think they actually didn't live in it for about a month, and so they just uh, didn't have anything running in there. Yeah. Um, but then it, it was also a fairly temperate climate, so they didn't need a bunch of AC running all mm-hmm. the time. But even if you don't run the AC with a mini split, you can put it on dry only cycle, mm-hmm. where it won't be heating or cooling the house. It'll essentially just be dehumidifying it. Taking um, notes so. was a damn pencil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is just all news to me. I know. Very interesting. Yeah, and and it would normalize. So the space, the house would normalize over a period of time. You know, to that new climate, um, uh, to where you, you know, if you didn't say two, three years down the road, if you didn't run it as much, your house would have over time normalized um you know it's it's that extreme shift 
over a short amount of time mm-hmm. that the natural materials affects them the most, basically. Interesting. So, so and, I, and I've talked to I've talked to two or three other custom home builders that have had similar problems to this. Um, so I don't think it's something that's talked about that much, um, but but uh, it's it's something that definitely does does happen. I'm taking my teardrop to the desert, so mm. let's see how many gaps in my caulk I get. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's and it's really there's certain materials that are susceptible to it, and there's certain ones that aren't. Um, wood, especially the softer the wood it is, the the more in general, the more susceptible it will probably be um, to changes like that. Um, and and there's certain species of wood too. I mean, you can get really nitty gritty into this that are more affected than others. Um, <clears throat> Even you know, so anyway, cedar is actually fairly good, fairly stable dimensionally. doesn't doesn't tend to change that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, there's other ones that are certainly good as well, but but there's a lot that are that are fairly susceptible. So you must have known this. Is, now here we go. Where we might overlap with questions we asked you, we asked you before. How long ago did we have him on the show? That was uh, September 2016. Oh, great. Thank you, so Mark. far It's so, so far back, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. So, so you obviously know a lot about building and building materials. How, where did you get this knowledge from? Um, yeah, so I've always kind of done construction as a side gig. Um, it's something I've, I enjoy doing. It's, it's something that I've, uh, you know, unless you're in like the middle of a major economic recession like happened in 2008, 2009, Basically, if you're willing to work hard and you're halfway intelligent, you can you can find a job making decent money doing construction. So, I had I had always I had always done that. Um, you know, starting when I was like 14, when I helped 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 my dad uh, put an addition on our house. Um, it was just kind of picking picking up knowledge as I went. You know, and and even since I've started building tiny houses in 2014, I think my you know my knowledge has just exponentially increased in terms of you know. I, the buck's got to stop somewhere, and so, and I'm generally the guy that does the research on stuff that we don't know. So, um, so you know, if if you know, I look at my business partners and they're like, "Are you guys know how to do that?" and they're like, "No," they're like, well, "Okay, Jeremy, go spend some time on Google." And so, <laughs> and I actually enjoy that. So I'm, you know, I'm, I probably shared this before, but I'm the kind of guy that like, you know, if you give me something to research, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall off the end of Google, you know, before <laughs> I before I'm my appetite is satisfied, you know. Yeah. So. That's cool, and and then um, I feel so lucky that I get to do my research. <laughs> we do the podcast, nice? yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, think of all everything that we've learned from these conversations over the past two years. Mm. Yeah, that's. I'm of, not really that smart. Never the people make me smart. It's kind of the beauty of doing a podcast. That's right. It's very cool, actually. So, Jeremy, um, have you, I'm curious your build. Qual- so, do your customers? Rec- I think this is. A yes answer. Does your customers recognize the quality of your builds, and that's why they come to you? Is that why they come to you? Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd say the feedback that we get um, from people that reach out to us um, sometimes, just you know, like when they reach out to us, it's like actually increasingly, you know, I say increasingly so as we, as our social media accounts grow and stuff. It's uh, we hear a lot of we've been following you for you know X number of months or for a couple of years or whatever. And, you know, we've been waiting to pull the trigger on a tiny house and, you know, we've always known you, we want you to be the builder. And I, 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 you know, the, the thing that I guess the only thing I can gather is that, uh, you know, I think we do, we are lucky that we get really great clients that, um, that want to do really creative builds, you know, first of all. And so I think the, the first few builds we did were, were some of these builds that we were able to really showcase what we could do. And so that started a trend for us, um, you know, de- kind of down the path of, 
that you know people saw that we were doing that we could do this high end work and so we, we just got it sort of like begets like you know we, we we got more requests for that kind of stuff and it's just kind of snowballed into we specialize in sort of the high end you know custom detailed work um, now um, which was always kind of our goal that's kind of where we wanted to wanted to go because to be quite honest it's more it's it's really fun to do a more creative you know uh, type of projects with people yeah. Um, it's not, it's not always the most lucrative, which, which, uh, which is sort of a misnomer, I think, you know, like, like that post I was telling you about, um, you know, just because it's a really expensive high end custom build does not mean that we're, that's translating to us making a killing because a lot of this stuff, you know, we, it's hard to predict exactly how, how long some of these creative projects are going to take. I'm getting better at it as far as quotes go, but you know, we're, we don't go back and adjust quotes unless the client changes their mind on something. So we're not going to come back and slam someone with an extra $10,000 because it took us longer. And so sometimes we just have to eat that, you know. That's that's a mighty white of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's from, Just so you know, we're listeners, that's from a Clint Eastwood movie. It's not something I just made up. So. It's still good. <laughs> um, so, so I was going to talk great. about the economics of building high-end homes, but I'm, I'm curious, the, the question I was going to follow up my last question with was, given how HGTV has been so interested in tiny homes and, you know, they've, they've had a name, unnamed tiny house builder on a couple of them actually on their shows. Have you been approached by a TV show to do uh, a tiny house program? We have, we've, we've talked to uh, at this point, countless different production companies. Mm. Um, and so we had, I, I don't remember where, I don't remember the last time we talked, um, whether it was the, the episode of tiny house nation that we had just been on or, yes. or whether it was the pilot that we had. Sh- we, so we shot a pilot for, for actually a show that was going to be about our company after we were on an episode, my wife and I were on an episode of Tiny House Nation building our own tiny house. Um, and so I'll say that the experience building the, you know, building my wife and I's house on Tiny House Nation was excellent. The people were great. John and Zach are just as genuine <clears throat> as they seem on screen. And I think, Michelle, you can vouch for this. Yeah, they're um, amazing they're, and fun. They're, just, they're, they're great, genuine individuals, in my opinion. And I still am in touch with both of them. You know, we text periodically and, you know, I would consider both of them friends. Um, and then the experience we had filming um, the pilot for this show quote, show that was going to be, you know, following our company was quite the opposite. It was, mm-hmm. it was, quite, it, it was quite terrible mm-hmm. um, as far as communication and, you know, uh, certain people, you know, we were involved with uh, from the production side and, you know, uh, also the network side. So I will not name any names or companies or anything like that. But, yeah. um, but can you but share anyways, kind was, of a, can you share kind of a terribleness story though without naming uh, yeah, like a description? Yeah, like, yeah. like this is really not good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is not an uncommon, in a, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to quite a few people in the, in the industry or that have had experiences with the industry that have had similar type stories. Um, and I'm on both sides, like either really positive or really negative. And, um, so I think, so we had, it was sort of this, the, the, you know, the experience with, with building, um, for this pilot show was they, they had initially kind of sold us, you know, or, you know, they'd said, we want to just film your company, uh, doing what they do. Um, you know, we don't want to change anything about it. You know, they kind of sold us on that. We were super excited, you know, they're going to come follow us around and, 
And it, it became evident even before the filming that, that they were coming up with the storyline that was really not exactly mm-hmm. what we do. And then, and then the, that they were going to try to sort of shoehorn our company into this narrative that they had sold to a network, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, obviously that was, didn't make us feel great. And it was building this permanent foundation, small house, which we, we all can do. And we'd come you know, all three of the owners of the company. We've all come from traditional construction, but what we do, we don't focus on that certainly. And we focus on mobile tiny homes. And so we were like, okay, we'll do, we'll do it as long as, you know, this isn't going to be what we only do. So that was, we kind of got past that, but so, you know, then, then come, come to start filming and they, they had sort of, they, they needed to force this sort of artificial timeline on this build that was a permanent foundation build. Um, and, and they were used to doing filming mobile foundation builds. And so they didn't understand the different dynamics and steps that are involved in doing a permanent foundation construction, like, having to get official build permits and having mm. to wait for building inspectors and yeah. things that like a lot of things that are beyond your control that you don't run into when you're doing mobile, mobile tiny home builds. Um, and, and just the resources weren't there. You know, it's like with, with, with filming with tiny house nation, they, it was a show in its second season. So they had resources, you know, that they could, they could throw out problems when they arose, but it was sort of like, you know, filming this pilot, which I, I guess I should have just understood that this is how it worked, but filming this pilot, it's like they try to spend the least amount of money possible to yeah. get something out so that they can get it so that the network basically can say yes or no and then they'll spend the money on stuff. So a lot of stuff just fell, fell on us that we felt like should have been, you know, taken yeah. care of um, that, that we shouldn't have had to worry about, you know, um, from transporting people here and there to, you know, like even like, you know, sometimes anyways, help, help. It was just like, Stuff that probably should have been taken care of by a production company, you know, kind of fell to us mm-hmm. um, to to take care of. So, mm. you know, without getting too specific, that's you know, in general, those are kind of the problems we ran into. And yeah, yeah, I think that does. <clears throat> when you started out the description of talking about the pigeonhole, or the, talking about <clears throat> you know, sort of. <laughs> what was that? Are you there? Are you still there, Jeremy? Uh oh, Jeremy. Well, listeners, we'll be getting right back to you. We've had a technical difficulty. Let's see if we can figure this out. <laughs> We're going to pause and get this. Well, while well, Mark does that, actually, I'm going to talk a little bit about I was involved in... I, I think you stopped the show. Did you stop? I did, no, keep oh, talking. Did, oh, okay, sorry. Yak. Sorry, oh, Michelle. No, that's okay. Um, he was talking about the fact that the production companies try to sort of pigeonhole your story into the narrative mm-hmm. that they have in their head. Mm-hmm. I was involved in the development of a... Um, briefly involved in the development of a pilot called, my, uh, <laughs> or called Empty Nesters. Mm-hmm. And it was they... Uh, Ultimately, didn't end up choosing us for the show, which is fine. Um, which is actually really fine. But in, I'm their, back. in their case, uh, in their case, actually, the uh, the producers they couldn't get my children to express enough shock right. and disdain and sort of like, <laughs> your mom is kicking you out, moving into a tiny house. What do you think? And they're like. Okay. <laughs> I, was waiting, I was waiting for that. Right. 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 But right. they also came along really late in the process. The production company came along really late in the process. But again, I um, the this whole pigeonhole into a certain narrative is definitely a recurring theme with almost everybody I've talked to yeah. outside of um, not on the Tiny House Nation show. I think that's been around long enough that they uh, everybody knows exactly what to expect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, so, so, Jeremy, um, what's where are you headed next with your company and your builds and all that? What's going on for the future for you? 
Yeah, so that's actually um, something I I was I was actually talking to one of my partners um, just today about about um, some things that are coming down the pipe that I I you know was not sure how he felt about me sharing and he was he was fine with it. So um, for the so Wind River is going to continue on in the in the course that we have sort of set for her, you know, hoping to just continue to do a lot more cool creative builds um, to to grow the business, um, you know, in a sustainable responsible way you know not not get too big for our britches to use an old-timey <laughs> phrase which i've my wife um always laughs at me because i i do that a lot like be in my bonnet big for my brit too big for my brit like sometimes <laughs> i just so, be so in the bonnet all the yeah. time yeah she makes fun of me for sounding like a 1940s like radio you know guy <laughs> or whatever um anyway so but um i am actually going to be selling my ownership in the co- company to my two business partners. Um, and we're, we're currently slated to, for that to be finalized in July. Um, so I am not going to, we're, we're bringing on someone, a manager basically, um, that's we're already sort of working with and kind of training into the role that I currently fill. Um, and, and Caleb and Travis, who are the other two owners, good friends of mine, um, are going to be continuing on essentially, you know, on, on, uh, uh, unchanged, you know, essentially just kind of growing Wind River and doing what they do best. Um, and and I will probably still continue to do consulting work with Wind River, um, but I am I am kind of pivoting and taking things in a little different direction um, personally. Do tell. Um, what are you doing? Um, so if you're not ready to not talk a, about it, just say nothing. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I am. So there's there's kind of two there's kind of two things on the table, um, and probably um, there's two things on the table. Um, and, uh, one of them is to focus more on small, small form. So in the like 600 to 1200 square foot range, permanent foundation homes. Um, and initially it would be mostly in the Chattanooga area. Um, oh, interesting. there's a few reasons for that. One is that, um, one the is that I've, awesome. <laughs> the, econ- the economy is awesome, but I, I've, so I've just recently, I'm, I'm not quite done yet, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, but. I'm I'm actually just finishing up a a small house build uh, for my wife and I. Um, oh. It's 960 square foot modern farmhouse. Um, there's pictures on my Instagram profile, Michelle. I don't I don't know if you follow me on my what, personal. What's profile your Instagram? Uh, Jer Weave, J E R W E A V E. Yep, I've seen it. Um, and so, anyways, I, that's that's kind of for. My, I think I might have shared this last time I talked to you guys. For my wife and I, that was always sort of the trajectory we were on, and was our original goal getting into a tiny house was to be able to afford a small piece of pro or you know a piece of property in the country and then build a small house permanent foundation house as we're starting to sort of you know start our family was kind of our goal and the tiny house is basically performed flawlessly in enabling us to do just that and so this next phase of our life we have a we have a 16 month old uh i'm biased but cute cutest kid ever named <laughs> shepherd <laughs> and um, and he's just started to walk, and so we're we're starting to feel. Um, and honestly, our tiny house is still working, actually surprisingly well, even with you know with a toddler that's starting to walk. And it's actually I think surprising both of us how well the tiny house is still working for us. And having said that, you know we're we're thinking about a number two soon, and so for us this next phase of our life is going to look like um, a, a more rooted existence. You know, li- living in a permanent foundation, small you know modern farmhouse that I've just you know that I basically built with my own hands. 
And I've just really enjoyed the process of building uh, that form of house um, and designing it to be really functional for my family and just uh, thinking through all the elements, you know, from, you know, with Wind River, it's, it's um, my design. I, I don't do, I don't do a lot of the aesthetic design. I don't do, you know, sort of most of the overall design. I do so, sort of the niche system design. With this house, I've done all the design basically and with my wife, you know, having a lot of input, especially on the interior finishes and stuff. And that's been super, super fun for me. And I realized that I really missed, I re really missed some of the more artistic creative aspects of the design stuff. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm kind of moving out um, uh, on, on my own. And I would say the other, the other reason um, would be that um, for me, it was always sort of the plan. Um, I, I wasn't, my, you know, I didn't get into building um, tiny homes um, with the goal of like, okay, I'm going to build mobile tiny homes and manage this company, you know, for this is my career. Um, I actually did it as a, ma as, as to fill requirements of a master's program um, in community development, global community development, actually. Wow. And and my emphasis was entrepreneurship. And so I basically just, I was super interested in tiny homes. I wanted to start this company with a friend. And I, I just basically sold my program on, hey, what better way to learn entrepreneurship than to try to start a business? Um, there you go. Uh, and so, and so, you know, that's, my goal was always like a, essentially like a three to five year, get the business up and running and then hand it off was kind of always my goal. And it's, you know, this is year, I guess, coming, the, coming into the middle of year four now of running the company. And it's been a great experience, and I I, can't, I couldn't have hoped for more knowledge and learning than, than what I've gotten, you know, starting this company, uh, you know, both on the tiny house side, but also just on the, you know, meat and potatoes skills of like running a company and adulting in that way. <laughs> um, so so yeah, for me, it's just kind of like a you know, there's I have my I have I've always had my sort of my sights set on um, on. Uh, on doing other things and this is kind of like a it's a happy parting you know I'm, i can still honestly say that i'm really good friends with both of my business partners which a lot of people unfortunately don't aren't able to say when they part ways with you know people that they friends that they start businesses with um so anyways yeah it's 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 a bit i would say it's a scary transition um even though it's an exciting one so um so yeah and <laughs> I would say there's, there's one other thing that I'm entertaining that if that happens, it'll sort of, you know, really radically shift sort of the, sort of my, uh, my course that I'm currently on. Um, and as I'm actually, there's a potential that I'll go to, um, the country of Malawi in Africa and wor work with a nonprofit there, um, as, as a, uh, a country director, um, essentially directing all the, all the activities of that nonprofit in that country. So, um, so um, we're, that's sort of a, still a to be determined, you know, I haven't been offered the job officially yet, but that's, that's in the discussion. And, and, and uh, certainly I would be hoping to, to use my, what I've, what I've, uh, the knowledge I've gained in terms of affordable housing, um, in that context, if I, if that's the, if that's the path that, you know, my family takes. Have you, uh, happened to read the book called the boy who harnessed the wind? I've heard of this book. I have not read it, yeah, though. Yeah, check it out. It's William Kamkwamba, who's from Malawi, and we had him at the uh -huh. very first Maker Fair Africa Festival in awesome. Ghana that we put together. But uh, if you end up in Malawi, <laughs> let me know, and I'll connect you guys. Yeah, yeah, I would love I would love that. Um, and I'll, I'll, I will, um, thanks for reminding me about that book. I will definitely go look that up. Um, so anyways, that's that's kind of been, for me, I've always had a, my two passions have been entrepreneurship and and you know humanitarian especially international type humanitarian work um and it's it's 
you know, last time we talked about me dropping out of med school to kind of take this, you know, traje- this new tra- trajectory. And really it's, it's the sort of international arm that I'm, you know, if, if this happens, it's going to be um, sort of a, a full circle experience, I think, for me personally um, and professionally. So, Well, congratulations, Jeremy. It sounds like you've got an exciting future ahead with the new kid and the existing kid and the wife and the farmhouse and the travel and everything. Jesus. Um, and you a, just outlined episode three. We'll be talking to you about entrepreneurship and international. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'll be exactly. building tiny. I, I actually own the domain Tiny House Africa already. So, oh, nice. Uh, uh, yeah. so I'm not going to be, I'm still going to be involved in the tiny house uh, industry regardless of the route I go. And I'm hoping um, once I, once I'm not running the day-to-day operations of Wind River, I, I shouldn't say I'm hoping. I am planning um, to spend a lot more time uh, blog, on the on the blog and um, and and staying connected to the movement that way and, and hoping hopefully pro- providing a lot more good sort of deep source content um, uh, in the weeds content for people um, that are interested in learning more about uh, tiny houses and living tiny. Very cool. Very very cool. Well, thank you very much for being on the show again, and uh, it's a ni- it is a nice departure to have you here before you uh, you kind of step away from tiny houses. But uh, obviously, it sounds like you're not, not too far. That at all. Mm-hmm. That's exactly all the right. way to Africa, though. Exactly. <laughs> where, yeah. where tiny houses are known as houses. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whole exactly. different perspective. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go, yep. listeners. Another exciting show on the Tiny House Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next week because we're going to have another great show uh, that we're going to be recording in just a few minutes. And uh, thank you very much to Rick McNerney for making us sound so great and for being on the show the last time we had uh, our shows. All right. right. Cool. Namaste. See you guys. Oh, and uh, check us out on Facebook at Tiny House Podcast. And Michelle's like constantly living there. You know, right? Yeah. Like always, we're giving no. out a free tiny house every single day. <laughs> every house. second. Every second. There goes another one. There goes another one. Bing. See you guys. Bing. Bye. Bing. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>